Welcome to Sermons in the Park, a ministry exploring biblical truth from the Word of God, focusing on the truths that help us in our daily walk with Christ in every aspect of our lives. Now, here is your Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park. As always, I am your Reverend Jamie McCaskill. It's a wonderful, beautiful day to be here with you all, standing here and delivering the Lord's message to you each and every Sunday like I do. First off, let's bow our heads and thank our Heavenly Father for all the great and wonderful gifts that He's given us. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for all that you continue to do. Thank you for just being you, Father, because you're so great and wonderful. You give, us all, you give us miracles each and every day. The fact that we wake up breathing, the fact that we have energy to go about our day and do our jobs, the fact that we we have taste buds to eat and taste the food that we're eating, the fact that we're able to drink water that you give us to nourish our bodies. You're you're such a great, wonderful, and loving God, and we thank you, Father. You're just so wonderful. You gave us your son Jesus, who died on that cross so long ago, so that we can have this close, loving relationship with you. And be forgiven for the sins that we commit. We're sorry for those, Father. We make mistakes. The flesh is weak and we we fail. That's no excuse for it, but we do. And we love you, Father, and we thank you. Thank you so very much. In the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So, first off, let me state the obvious. This is being recorded Friday um, before the weekend. The Friday after... Memorial Day. I just got done not even two hours ago, three, three hours ago, recording that podcast interview with um, Archbishop Ron Enright. I want to, uh, if you're watching or listening on the podcast, Archbishop, I want to once again say thank you. It was so great of you to come on and, and talk with me. Um, I needed that. I needed to talk with you, and it, uh, what you don't, so what you what you didn't see, and what you guys can't see on the podcast is there were several moments I had tears in my eyes and and goosebumps on my flesh. Cause you just fellowship is really important with us believers, and we need to realize that, and we need to fellowship with other believers. It's like I said, it's extremely important. We all need to. We need our battery charged if you will, and, and, and getting to talk with other believers, it does that. And then, I'm not going to say his name on here because we haven't finalized it yet, it was just to show the blessings of the Lord, um, the podcast needs more things, you know, going over there, and I've been trying to get interviews with certain, with celebrities and, well, celebrities or other people in the in in the in a Christian field, if you will, over there on the podcast. So, me and Bishop Ron got done. I'm preparing the podcast, like uh, editing it all together, putting the intro and outro on there, and I got an answer from a Christian fiction author who I had contacted, uh, he's interested in coming on the podcast. He just wants me to read his book first. Uh, the book is, I'm not going to say the word controversial, because I haven't read it yet, but he said it has caused some controversy um, from people misunderstanding 
the purpose of the book. Um, but we'll get all once I if if I approve, you know, if I like the book and get him on the podcast, um, you guys will hear all about that. It's not anything bad or anything like that. It's just sometimes people take things the wrong way, and that's kind of what I uh, where that's headed. But um, so if this is your first time here on Sermons in the Park. I want to, once again, I want to say welcome. Welcome to the family. I hope you decide to stay, you know, pull up a chair and rock for a while, if you will. Um, What we do here on Sundays, on Sundays, we take a book of the Bible, we read it chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we kind of break it down, try to help you understand the text just a little bit more because over time words change. Um, and also sometimes, let's face it guys, sometimes like the meaning of a verse doesn't come through clearly, even when we read it in context. So that's what we do. We take the verse, we break it down, we read it, we figure out, I try to help you understand it a little bit more. And this week, of course, we're up to, sorry, chapter 32. And we're continuing our review of Genesis. So if this is your first time, I invite you right now to pause this video or podcast, wherever you are. Go back, listen, or watch the video and get caught up. Go back to, there was, on the videos, you can go all the way back to, there was an introduction that I did to the book of Genesis. And then work your way forward. Come on back here, right? And I promise you, I'll be right here where you left off, as long as you pause now. Go back and get caught up. So, like I said, this week we're on chapter 32, and and we're going to be reading about this place. It's this place called Mahanaim, and I know I'm probably butchering that, but that's my best guess at how it's pronounced. Now, this was the name that was given to the place, and the name Mahanaim actually means double camp. Now, the reason for this name, there, there could be a couple of reasons. Um, it could be a reference to the two camps of the angels, okay? Maybe it refers to Jacob's camp and the angels' camp. Now, we also read about the Jabbok. Now, Jabbok was a branch of the Jordan, and it was about 24 miles north of the Dead Sea, and Jabbok is related to the Hebrew word for, guess what? Wrestled, which we see in verse 24. The Hebrew words are Yabak, which, mean, which means Jabbok, and Yabak for wrestled. So let's go ahead and read Genesis chapter 32. We're going to read the entire chapter, verse 1 to 32. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. And Jacob sent angels before him. I'm sorry. Why did I do that? The names are similar. Let's back up verse 3 again. And Jacob sent messengers. Angel is the same word for messengers, but let's, let's continue. 
before him to Esau his brother and to the land of Sel, Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thou shalt Thus shall ye speak unto my lord Esau, the servant Jacob saith this, I have sojourned with Laban, and stayed there unto now, and I have, I have oxen and asses, flocks and men servants and women servants, and I have sent the, I have sent to tell my lord, that I may find grace, in thy sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also, and also, he cometh to meet thee, and four hundred men with him then jacob was greatly afraid and distressed and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and herds and the camels into two bands and said if esau come to the one company and smite it then the other company which left shall escape and jacob said o god of my father abraham and god of my father isaac the lord which saidest unto me, Return into thy country, and to thy kindred, and I will deal with, I, I shall deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the thy mercies, and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me, and the mother with, and the mother with the children, and the mother with the children. And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good, and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And he lodged there that same night, and took that which came to his hand a present from Esau his brother. Two hundred she-goats, twenty he-goats, two hundred ewes, and twenty rams, rams thirty milch cattle, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there, milch camels, and their colts, forty kine, and ten bulls, twenty she-asses, and ten fowls. And he delivered them into the hand of his servant, every, every drove by themselves, and said unto his servants, Pass over before me, and put a space betwixt drove and drove. And he commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau my brother meetest thee, and asks, asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou, and whither goest thou, and whose art these before thee? Then thou shalt say, They be thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my lord Esau. And behold also, he is behind us. And so commanded he the second, and the third, and all that followed the drove, saying, On this manner shall ye speak unto Esau when ye find him. And say ye moreover, Behold thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me, and afterward I will see his face, peradventure he will accept of me. So he, w <laughs> so went the present over before him, and himself lodged that night in the company, 
And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and pressed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh upon, that, upon the day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the sinew that shrunk. So what do we do, guys? We go back, don't we? And we start with that very first verse that we read, and we reread that, and then we break it down. So that would be Genesis chapter 32, verse 1, which reads, And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of the God... I'm sorry. Sorry, Lord. The angels of God met him. Okay, remember... We just read about how Laban had went home, right? So this week we see, and Jacob went on his way. So Jacob left Gilead, right? And he, what he did was he headed towards the land of Canaan, right? And we see the angels of God. So the angels came to help him. They came to comfort him as well as to protect and to defend him. They kept him, as some might say, making sure that nothing hurt him. I want you to check something out with me here. We're going to go look at Psalm. We're going to look at Psalm 91 verse 11. And you know i got to lean over here for the light. Psalm 91 verse 11 which says, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Now, I think that I've mentioned this in the past. But you see, angels are not what we generally think of them being, okay? Angels are spirits, and they're spirits that were sent by God to minister to us, to his people. Just like they're doing with Jacob here. So, after Jacob left... He was leaving, you know, this crisis behind him. He he has a you know this suspense of facing Esau ahead of him. He's terrified. But before that, we see him met by an angelic host, and I'm sure that these this host of angels here reminded him of Bethel, which would of course you know then remind him, and it would also encourage him of God's will being done 
right here on earth. So let's look at verse 2 now. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. It starts off with what? It says, And when, when Jacob saw them. What does this remind us of? That, hey, these angels, they were there. He was able to see them. It, they were visible to him. They most likely looked human. So, so probably into his eyes, he saw humans. And I'm guessing they would have looked like soldiers. That's why they're called a host here, or an army. Now, I want to point out what Abner says, because he says they were only visible to Jacob. And he uses the fact that originally, Elisha was the only one that saw them before the young man did, over in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. Second Kings chapter six verse seventeen. And Elisha turn over here so you can see me. <laughs> and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of hosts and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Anyway. What do we see here, back here? Let's go, let's continue on. Because what we see is it says, He said, this is God's host. Now, like I said a minute ago, the phrase host, it often means army. Okay? That's why God's often called the Lord of hosts. Now, interestingly, angels are often called this from their number, their order, their strength, and their military exploits. That, you know, the verse then says, and he called the name of the place Mahanaim, which means double camp. Meaning one being God's and the other being his own, right? Now, Mahanaim, <laughs> Mahanaim was located to the east of the Jordan River in Gilead, somewhere near the river Jabbok. Which, anyway, Mahanaim signifies that there were two hosts or armies, if you will. Now, like I said last week, this could either be the camp of his of his own family and the people being one, and then, of course, the angel being the other, like we see Aben Ezra say, or, or it could be that they were both the angels because maybe they appeared in two different companies, armies or whatever, you know. Maybe that one went on the east side of Jacob and his family and the other was on the other side of them. Or, or maybe, maybe one went in front of him and one went behind him. One being behind him, you know, meaning there to protect him from <laughs> insults by Laban. You know, if he had decided to follow him. The one in front would have been, of course, protecting him from Esau. Because let's remember, Jacob is now closer to him. At the end of last week, we discussed how, how Jacob had just built that altar... And worshiped God this of course was pleasing to God right and now now we see these angels these ministering spirits and they're meeting Jacob and Jacob recognizes them so let's continue on verse 3 now and Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau his brother unto the land of Seir the country of 
Edom. Take a look at that again. Take a look at it again. And Jacob sent messengers before him unto Esau, his brother. What did I say a little while ago? The word angels means messengers. I'm not trying to confuse you because I'm not saying he sent the angels, okay? Because they wouldn't have done what, what, <laughs> what Jacob said, okay? He did not have the power to command them. No. These would have been his own servants. Reading this, we see that Esau had, had left his father's home and he was now in possession of his own country, one that was named after him. According to Ibn Ezra, it was somewhere between Haran and Israel. Okay? Anyway, if it was not directly on the road that he was traveling, Jacob did not want to pass by without seeing his brother. Look at the name we see here. Seir. Edom. This is Esau's country. One that is south of the Dead Sea. The first name here, Seir, Seir comes from, an, from a person named Seir the, Hit, the Horite. And since Esau married into that family, he has possession of it. Okay? Esau's sons, they drove the Horites out, they took that land for themselves, and it, then they call it Edom, which comes from Esau's name. This, of course, comes from that red pottage that he did what? He sold his birthright for. All right, verse 4. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall ye speak unto my lord Esau, Thy servant Jacob saith this, I have sojourned with Laban, and have stayed there until now. So we see, as he commanded them, or sorry, and he commanded them. This is saying that he did what? He commanded his servants. Showing that these were his servants. And then we continue on, saying, Thus shall you speak unto my lord Esau. Why was Esau lord? Because he's lord of that country. He's also Jacob's older brother, technically. He uses this to do what? To soften his mind, to, to incline his, his mind towards him. It also shows that he did not pride himself on the birthright or the blessing that he got. But he does not give up that birthright. No, no, no. Anyway, reading on. Thy servant Jacob saith thus. What Jacob's doing here is he's showing humility, modesty. Even though the blessing that his father gave him did make him the Lord over Esau, his father was not dead yet. You keep that in mind. So it was not time for that. And besides, this was not an accomplishment of his own, but of his posterity. He says, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. He had been a sojourner, which means a wanderer. Okay, He served Laban for 20 years. And Laban had been a hard master to serve. So, he shouldn't be envied by his brother. He should be pitied by him. Esau should have compassion for his brother Jacob. Verse 5. And I have oxen and asses, flocks and men servants and women servants, and I have went to, oh, I'm sorry, and I have sent 
to tell my Lord that I may find grace in thy sight. Look at what he's telling him. Just, just read that. And I have oxen and asses, flocks and men servants and women servants. Now, if you were not paying attention to all that I've said so far, you're going to think that this is bragging. But it's not. He's telling him this so that he does not think that Jacob has come here wanting something. How many of you have family members that only show up when they want something? They only call you when they want something. My own mother blames me for that sometimes. But <laughs> it's just we all have that, right? And that's what Jacob's making sure. He wants his brother to know I'm not here for anything. Because if he did, right, I'm sure that Esau would have held him in contempt. A beggar. He would have he would have been ashamed of him. The, he would have been ashamed of the fact that, hey, I'm even related to this guy. Right? He says, And I have sent to tell my Lord, tell him that he is their right. Okay? That he is there, and that's why he's there. He's only there. And that he's, you know, not only that, but I'm doing well. Okay? Then, verse goes on. That I may find grace in thy sight. He wanted to share in his goodwill. And that, that was all that he wanted. He wanted his brother's friendship. He wanted harmony. He wanted love from his brother. Don't forget, the last time that these two saw each other, Esau, he threatened to kill him. It's been a long time. It's been 20 years. A lot of hurt has passed during this. So, so Jacob, he humbles himself. He even calls Esau his Lord. He makes sure that Esau knows he's not dependent on him. Okay? That God had blessed him. He's just asking Esau, hey man, forgive and forget. We all talk about grace, right? Especially as Christians. That word grace means unmerited favor. It's given even though you do not deserve it. That is what Jacob's asking for. Jacob is being humble. Verse 6. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee, and four hundred men with him. Ooh. So the messengers, they go out, and they, in the, as the verse says, they return to Jacob. And what they tell us is that, of course, some time has passed, right? The messengers, they, they had gone out, they delivered that message, and they brought it back. A reply, that is. The verse says, saying, we came to thy brother Esau. Now, sure, there's nothing here saying that, that Esau replied. There's not. But it is implied in what we see next. Because it says, And also he cometh to meet thee. Now, to me, this is just a friendly visit. Okay? Repl just re tell me below what you think. Okay? Because to me, when I read this, I think he's coming to see him in a friendly way. So, before you go on further, if you're on Facebook, YouTube, or BitChute or Rumble, reply below. Tell me what you think is happening right now. Anyway, the verse goes on. And 400 men 
with him. Now again, I think this is him just showing grandeur. Okay, it it was also a way of showing respect to Jacob, his brother, to do honor unto him. Now there are plenty of other people who believe that this is him plotting to kill his brother. And sure, sure, it's possible. I'm sure that Jacob took it that way because of, you know, the distress that we see him in. And because of this, he went to God seeking safety. And, of course, God gives him strength, doesn't he? We see him wrestle with God. So let's read on, verse 7. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that with that was with him and the flocks and herds and the camels into two bands. Do you see? Right there. This verse tells us that Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He knew what he did. He knew that he what he did to his brother was wrong. He knew that he was wrong and how, you know, he received that birthright and the blessing. And that's why in his mind, right, he was con he, he's convinced that his brother is going to follow through on that threat. He's afraid that all the respect that Esau showed was, you know, to catch him off guard and, and to cause Jacob to fall into his hands. And as we've seen, Jacob, he, he wants to reconcile with Esau, doesn't he? But after his messengers come back, especially with that news, he felt that this only confirmed his suspicion. Esau still wants him dead. You know, that, that he had not, you know, kindled his rage, if you will, after all these years. He just, he just heard that Esau's coming there with 400 men. I mean, he struck with terror. He was suspicious of, what, of what's coming his way. To me, this just shows how weak Jacob is. How, how he, he has a lack of faith. How many times have we seen God promise Jacob that he's going to protect him? Did God not say that he would return Jacob safely to Canaan? And right here in verse 7, Jacob's preparing for an attack. He's dividing his company. It says that, and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands. His servants and his shepherds were divided. One side had flocks and herds and some others, you know. And he sent his camels and his wives and his children and another one. Verse 8. And said, if Esau came to the one company and smite it, then the other company, which is left, shall escape. Read that with me. He said, and, and said, if Esau came to the one company and smite it, the first company that is spoken of, the one that's spoken of here, the one that most likely would have been, this most likely would have just been his servants. Maybe some cattle. You see, if Esau decided to attack them, he would slay some servants. And, would have, and he, of course, would have taken the cattle and some booty with him, right? And then we see, the other company which is left shall escape. Meaning, run away. Or as Gandalf and Lord of the Rings would say, fly! 
this would probably be the group that he would have, you know, put his wives and his children in. Maybe some camels to carry them. But seriously, with all these precautions, I think he would have had trouble escaping Esau. Seriously, if vengeance really was on Esau's mind, where's Jacob going to run? Esau had 400 men with him. The only hope that he would have is that he would have been sedated after he killed that first group and taking the plunder with him. Am I wrong? But still, we know that Jacob didn't trust this method either. No, no, no. We see him turn to God in prayer, don't we? He was in a panic. He heard about Esau and his 400 men. He was afraid that this army was coming there to destroy him and his family. So he prepared a battle plan. He knew that his little, you know, his little group would not be able to hold up against Esau and 400 men. Alright? So, his plan is to retreat. Now, I do have to commend Jacob. Even though his plan was to appease his brother, as we read on, we see he prays for deliverance. He, re he rehearses God's own command and promise. He acknowledges his own anxiety. He confesses his own unworthiness. Now that I've said that, i got to ask you, have you noticed this is the first time that we, we see Jacob pray? And I mean that since he, his encounter with God at Bethel. That was when he was on his way to late. First night. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord which saidest unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. Look at how he starts off here. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac. Notice something. He's not using that tariff from Rachel to it. And for you out there who call yourselves consulting angels, is Jacob talking to angels here? Does he ask those angels for help? Does he ask those angels to protect him, to guard him? No. Jacob goes straight to God and God alone. He prays to the God of his fathers, the one who promised him great things, the one who did great things for them, the one who was the God of the covenant, the one who, who was his God. Even though he does not say that right there, okay? Jacob was the heir of the promises, the birthright and the blessings, they were his. He says, The Lord which saidest unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred. Remember, God appeared to Jacob when he was in Laban's house. Told Jacob, return home to your father's house. And this obedience, that was why we see him here on this journey. But you see, still, still Jacob's not depending on him. He also did not put any confidence in anything that God did. We see that 
when we read on. But still, he hoped for God's grace. He hoped for God's goodness. Because he did what God said. Especially looking at the promise. Look at it. And I will deal with thee. Meaning bestow good things on him. Meaning the temporal, the spiritual. All that was included. And it also included him being preserved from evil and danger. Verse 10. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my stuff, staff, sorry, I passed over the Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Jacob says, I am not worthy of the least of all thy mercies. Meaning, he's not worthy of any of them. That's what his mind is pressing on him. He knows he's not worthy. He's not worthy of the least of the mercies or the favor that God's given him. Not even the temporal mercy. More or less the spiritual one. So he did not expect any from the hand of God. Not on any merit of his own. He's saying, I am less than all thy mercies. God had shown him many, many mercies and favors. He was aware of it. And, and we see that he was thankful. Even with all the way that Laban had treated him and used him, he was not worthy of any of it. He says, and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. What Jacob saw when he looked at the promises that were made to him with grace, with mercy, with goodness, he also saw truth, faithfulness in them. Jacob, Jacob had a lot of experience in both. He, he was affected he was affected by it. It made him humble. He says, For with my staff I passed over this Jordan. This is, of course, speaking of the river, the River Jordan. We can guess he was, he was near it. Or at least he was within sight of it. Right? You see, he passed over it when he went to Haran with his staff in his hand. This, this could have either been a shepherd's staff or even just some common traveler's staff. But I lean more towards a traveling one. Okay, The verse then says, And now I am become two bands. He's speaking of you know, how he just divided his group. He's doing this while seeing how, how great God was to him and how large God had in, in, increased him. And that isn't even the thought that he had. He, he was so different now than he was, what, 20 years ago, before this, and, and, and probably standing on that same spot. Now, you've heard me over and over and over again speak about how important prayer is, and you're going to hear it a lot more. <laughs> Here we see Jacob doing the best thing that you can do when you find yourself in trouble. Call on God. Notice how he reminds God of his ancestry, his ties to Abraham, to Isaac. And I think that this is because he felt they had more influence with God. 
than, than he did. And we see him remind God that it was him that told him to go here. He reminds God that all he had when he left was a staff. And, and now here he was blessed. He's so blessed that he could divide his people into two groups. Look at all the wealth that God gave him. Jacob was not, and I repeat, not ungrateful. We see the prayer that Jacob prayed. Verse 11. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him that he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. He prays to God saying, Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. His brother. Yes, his brother Esau. The one that had vowed revenge on him, that wanted to kill him. As far as Jacob knew, Esau still wanted to kill him. And here he was with the perfect opportunity to do it. Not only the opportunity, but the power to do it. He had over 400 men at his disposal, and Jacob was afraid that this would happen. So he prays to God, the one who's greater than him, to deliver him from falling into the hands and being destroyed by his brother. The verse says, For I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. Be honest with me. When you look at this, does this seem like Jacob was, was more concerned with himself and his family? Anyway, the phrase speaks of the destruction of his family, the cruelty, the inhumanity that would be used to do it. This right here shows us his opinion of his brother and his savage disposition. Go on, verse 12. And thou, and, thou, and thou saidst, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sea, seed of the sea, sand, sorry, the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. It starts off with, And thou saidst, I will surely do thee good. All kind of good, right? He, he did it and constantly, and, and this shows us that Jacob interpreted the promise properly when God said I will be with thee back in the last chapter right you see when God's present you can be secure in the fact that his people get what they need and it was because of that promise Jacob's asking for God to preserve him and his family he pleads for it and we see him remind God of another promise and make thy seed as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for multitude. If, if him and his family were killed, they would not be able to fulfill that promise, right? But you see, God always keeps his promises, always. Jacob, he realizes that if he was going to survive, he needed God's help. And I'm sure that he was thinking how, how God had preserved him when he was with Laban. He knew God could do it. Jacob is not only thinking of himself here, no. 
He's thinking of his family as well. I tell you, God's a great father. He likes when we remind him of his own words. And Jacob reminds God of the promise that he made. Pay attention. We see Jacob's ability to plan. We see him come up with, with a, an appeasement, if you will, a strategy. He would give Esau 50, 550 animals. But this also shows us even more. Jacob forgets an important thing. We're minded all throughout Scripture. Not only are we to pray, we're told to pray and believe. Jacob, he didn't lean on God to change Esau's heart. Verse 13. And he lodged there that same night and took of, took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau his brother. Look at what it says right there at the start. Read it again. And he lodged there that same night. So this was either right there at Mahanaim or it could be somewhere nearby. Okay. It says and took of that which came to his hand. Now this is deliberate. Okay. It was not something next to his hand. This is talking about what he had, or, if you will, what he had the power to get. This is what Jarky says, okay? The verse then says, a present for Esau, his brother. He was going to was gonna give all this to his brother as a way to pacify him, to, to earn his goodwill, as well as to evade his anger and hatred, okay? I want you to look at something with me. Look at Proverbs 18, 16. Proverbs 18, 16. A man's gift maketh room for him, and bringeth him before great men. Even though we just saw... Jacob prayed. He, he committed himself and his family to God. He left it all with him. He still thought that he needed to make use of practical things to secure his safety. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that there are times, and, and I do mean frequently, okay, where God uses the means that we have in our hands to do his work. So, verse 14. 200 she-goats and 20 he-goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams. I don't have a lot to say about this, but I do want you to look at that again. It says 200 she-goats, 20 he-goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams. This is seen many, many times in many, many different countries. We see the same portion assigned over and over and over and over again. One male goat to every ten female goats. One ram to ten ewes. Don't have a lot to say about that. I just, I just thought that was interesting. Verse 15. Twenty milch sheep camels with their colts. Forty kine. Twenty, ten bulls. Twenty she asses. Ten fowls. I bet this confuses you just as much as it did me. 
because we live in the modern world. But I want you to look at that again. 20 milch camels with their colts. In the eastern world, milch camels were actually prized. If you look at Aristotle, as well as Pliny, you can see why. Because according to them, milch camels have the sweetest milk. He then says, 40 kind, 10 bulls. Here is that 1 in 10 again. This time, 1 bull, 10 cows. Continuing on, we see 20 she-asses, 10 colts, 10 foals. Now, let's add all that up. If we say that there are, that the camels had 20 colts, this, this present would have been 580 head of cattle. This is a lot to give up. A very generous gift, okay? Now, I think that he did this to, to soften him up. And this gift alone shows just how wealthy Jacob really was. Verse 16. And he delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by themselves, and said unto his servants, Pass over before me, and put a space between drove and drove. It says, and he delivered them into the hand of his servants, meaning that he presented to Esau, he presented them to Esau's servants, so that so that they could uh, take them to him. Now, this part was interesting to me because it says every drove by themselves. When you look at it all together, there seems to have been three different droves. Look at verse 19, for example. It's very, very possible that there were 220 goats, female and male, that were in that first drove. And then 220 sheep, ewes and rams, in the second. And then 30 camels with their colts, along with 50 cows and bulls and, and 20 she-asses and 10 foals, which made up 140 in the third drove. Now the verse then says, and saith unto his servants, Pass over before me. He's saying, Pass over the brook Jabbok. This becomes obvious in verse 22, which was a day's journey or less before him. That's what Jarky tells us anyway. And, and I think a night's journey makes more sense when we look at the context, okay? Because let's remember, these were sent out in the evening, and, and Jacob stayed behind when, when we look at what happens next. Back to our verse. We see, and put a space betwixt drove and drove. What he means by all of this is very simple. That the droves should not be close together. There should be some kind of a space between them. He wanted to make it that, well, he wanted to make sure that it took Esau a while to get to them all which would cause him to stop, accept it, to ask about it. He would also see how large, sorry, large they were. He would see how generous his brother's being. The frequency of these, these, uh, these gifts means the, the repetition of them. It would abate his wrath, right? And, and by the time that he got to Jacob, he would feel more, more, more affectionate, if you will, more kind. And, and he does. Verse 17. And he commanded the foremost, saying, 
when Esau my brother meeteth thee and asketh saying whose art thou and whither goest thou and whose art these before thee now think about everything that we've read okay and then when we reread we see and he commanded the foremost we now know or we can speculate <laughs> that Jacob himself had the care of that first drove, which we see also consisted of goats, male and female. The verse then says, saying when Esau my brother meetest thee. Jacob had every reason to believe that they would run into Esau. I want you to think about it. We know that he's in the front, okay? And, and they're out there on the road. The verse then says, and asketh thee, saying, what art thou? This is meaning that he would ask whose servants they are. So the verse should honestly read, To who do you belong? Or where are you traveling to? The verse says, And whose are these, whose are these before thee? Speaking of the goats, asking whose they were. I was surprised, honestly, <laughs> what I learned in my research on this particular subject, okay? But apparently, when they were let, when when they would lead the flocks to pasture, the shepherd was in front. But when they were out on the road traveling, they would uh, keep the sheep or the goats in front of them. Take a look at John chapter ten, verse four. Jesus says. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Alright, back to chapter 32, we're going to look at verse 18. Then thou shalt say, They be the servant of Jacob. They be thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my lord Esau, and behold, also he is behind us. Take a look at that verse again. Then thou shalt say, They be thy servant Jacob's. This is, of course, including. Sorry, my computer's acting crazy. Both the goats and themselves, okay? Saying that they belong to Jacob. Notice. He tells them to say that Jacob himself is Esau's servant. The verse goes on. It is a present sent unto my lord Esau. Now, this is the answer to the second question. Okay? Read on, reading on it says, And behold, also he is behind us. Jacob's telling his servants to tell Esau where he was. Otherwise, Esau would think that Jacob was afraid of him. And that, you know, he headed another, uh, he headed another way. He would know Jacob had come to visit him. And he would know that he could expect him in, you know, just a little bit. This would, of course, prepare his mind, making him kinder towards him. Verse 19. And so commanded he the second and the third and all that followed the droves, saying, On this manner shall ye speak unto Esau when ye find him. 
Right here at the start, we see, and so commanded he the second and the third. He commanded the people who were in charge of the second and the third droves. Simple. He told them to say the same thing that we just saw, the same words that he said to the first. And then the verse says, and all that followed the droves. This makes me think, okay, it's speaking of anyone who was following the main driver, meaning the one, you know, they were told what to say just in case Esau come up to them. The verse then says, saying on this manner shall you speak to Esau when you find him. Meaning, if they met him and, and they believed that it really was him that they were speaking to. Okay, verse 20. And say ye moreover, behold, the servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I am a I will appease him with the present that goeth before me, and afterward I will see his face, peradventure he will accept me. And say ye moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. Notice how this is repeated. And it was done to make sure that it was imprinted on their mind. That, that they are careful not to forget it. This was very, very important. You see, if he did not see Jacob, Esau would, would feel slighted. Like, you know, he's not worthy for Jacob to even come see him or hold conversation with him. Notice what it says. It says, for he said, this is speaking of Jacob, saying that Jacob had said it. And I think I should also add that this is him speaking in his heart to himself, if you will. And we can tell this by how he's acting. Because remember, these are the words of Moses. Aben Ezra points this out. Because these are not the words of Jacob to his servant or even to Esau. He says, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me. And afterward, I will see his face. Jacob hoped that these presents would, would, would give him the effect that he wanted. That Esau would, would turn from his wrath, would show a sign of his pleasure. You could also make it say, I will, I will expiate his face. That is how I saw some, some render the words. Meaning, you know, make him optimistic, make him favorable. I even saw where Abin Ezra interprets it as him covering his face, meaning he hid his wrath and his resentment. Jarky says, remove his anger, wrath, and displeasure. And then you have Ben Melek, who says, appease him. Then right here in the verse we see, peradventure he will accept of me, meaning receive it. You know, be, be tender and, and affectionate towards him. Very honorable and very respectable way. Verse 21. So went the present over before him, and himself lodged that night in the company. Now, this right here, we see, so went the present over before him. This is meaning over the brook Jabbok, which we see mentioned later. This was, this was not, you know, this was the night before Jacob passed over it himself. Now, reading on, we see, and himself lodged that night in the company. Or you could make it say, he lodged in the camp. This could have been there in Manhanaim, because this is where we read about those, you know, those hosts and those crowds of angels. Maybe in his own camp, you know, with his family and servants. Abin Ezra says it was in the camp with his servants. 
not in his own tent, because his brother could fall on him, right, and kill him. This is also agreed on by a medieval Jewish scholar named, oh boy, I'm going to butcher this, Nachpanides? Sorry? Now, <laughs> I want you to think back because you will notice that Jacob did not stand, or stand, Jacob did not send these gifts until after he heard about Esau and those 400 men, okay? Jacob wanted to soften Esau up. He, he gave him one group at a time. Not all of it at once. That way he would become more and more tender, right? He, he hoped that by the time Esau got there, all of these gifts would have been his. He would accept them. Now, we're closing in on that wrestling match that I know all of you are waiting on. The one that lasts all night. The one that took place in Peniel. We see it end with a 97-year-old Jacob changing his name and the place itself also being assigned a new name as well. This marked the place a memorial for Jacob and his later generations. Not only that, but even the limp that he receives when the match ends also memorializes this event. So, verse 22. And he rose up that night and took him two, I'm sorry, took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the let passed over the ford Jabbok. And he rose up that night. This means in the middle of the night. How do I know this? Because as we see in verse 24, it was a long time before daybreak. The verse then says, and took his two wives, meaning Rachel and Leah. The verse says, And his two women servants, being Bilhah and Zilpah, who were also his concubines. In fact, the Targums on Kelos and Jonathan make this very clear. This also distinguishes them from just women servants or maidservants. And I'm sure that he, you know, he had many of those. The verse says, and his eleven sons, he also would have taken Dinah, okay, his daughter, even though she's not mentioned there. She's still only like a little one at that time. The verse says, and passed over the ford Jabbok. He would have passed over that river, somewhere that, that he could easily pass over it. This was a river, a river whose source was the mountain, mountains of Arabia and was the border of the Ammonites. It, it, it washed the city Rabba, okay? It also ran between Philadelphia and Gerasa. And it flowed into the River Jordan. If you look up Jabbok, what you will find is that it is 60 to 65 miles long. It's east of the Jordan River. It flows into the river, you know, midway between Galilee and the Dead Sea. Verse 23. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he and sent over that he had. I know I keep having trouble reading this one, but we're gonna break it down. Because <laughs> it can get confusing. But what it says is, and he took them and sent them over the brook. This is of course talking about his wives and his children, okay? Saying that he sent them over the brook under the care of some of his servants, and then we see and sent over that he had. 
And this actually means all that he had. That's why I keep wanting to say that. That Everything that belonged to him, his servants, his cattle, his goods, all of it. Jacob, he stayed there alone because he had sent his family over the river. He was so afraid that Esau would come along and destroy it all. Remember, we spoke about how Javik had, was, was held way up the river Jordan. Now, even though we do not see it said, I believe Jacob was there crying out to God. God was the only one who could help him now. Now, as we read on, we'll see a verse that says, And there, rest, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Now, this man that he's wrestling with has been identified by so many as a pre as a pre-incarnate Christ and then some others just as some angel a special messenger from God there are even some who cite Hosea 12:4 as a way of supporting both views let's look at that Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed, and he wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spoke with us. But let's just say that the context does seem to favor the angel actually being a pre-incarnate Christ. Just look at verse 30 and the phrase, For I have seen God face to face. If we assume that the messenger really was God, we see God allowing himself to be overcome. And we also see Jacob was crippled. It says his thigh was out of joint. The blessings they 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 changed you know then he changed he gets his blessing. Then he has his name changed from Jacob which means heel catcher or supplanter or deceiver to Israel which means God made God prevail for him this makes him recognized as a prince with God verse 24 and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day here we are we see that Jacob you know, as the verse says, wrestled a man. This was at a site named Peniel, which means face of God, named by Jacob. And then, then we see the commentary given by Hosea. Hosea 12.4. Go back and read that again. I know I have a I need that light.
Yea, he had power over the angel, and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spoke with us. Okay? And this identifies this man who, who Jacob wrestled with as the angel of the Lord, who, as we all know, is also identified as God a pre-incarnated appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this verse is honestly one of the most interesting ones that I've had the honor of breaking down for you. And, and, and I'm just curious to see your answer below. Have you ever noticed this? How can someone be alone and still able to wrestle with someone at the same time? Because, of course, this person is a spirit. Don't forget, we already saw angels with Jacob on the road. So, I mean, it's very possible that they never left. Even today, we have angels that, that are there with you right now, ministering to you every day, every moment. So, hey, either this is the Spirit of God, or it's an angel who is representing God. Either way. Verse 25. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with as he wrestled with him. Look at the start there. It says, And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, the he right there is the man, the one that could be the Son of God in the form of a man. He wasn't winning against Jacob. He, he was not tossing him to the ground, okay? He wasn't making him stop fighting him. Now, no, this is not saying that he could not, just that he would not. He wanted to ensure that Jacob, in his faith against you know his upcoming trials, especially the one he, he was in right now, and besides, he knew the promises that he made to Jacob. They were, they were so strong that Jacob's faith, right, that... He was pleading on those promises. So he could not do otherwise. He had to allow himself to be prevailed over by Jacob. The verse says he touched the hollow of his thigh. That's the hollow part of your thigh. Some call it the groin. It's a hollow place there where your thigh bone moves. It's said that after this, it had, to, it had the shape of a man's hand bent outward, bent backwards. The verse says, And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. This is saying that the hip bone, the thigh bone, whatever, actually popped out of the hollow place. He did this to, to let Jacob know who it was he was wrestling with. Amen. That he was the superior one. That he could have easily overcome it. Stop this wrestling match if he wanted to. It also let him know that, hey, he was not winning by his own strength. That it was because of the divine assistance, you know, and the sufferance of the one that he was wrestling against. That that way, he couldn't boast about it. Do you know what else this did? It showed Jacob, and you and me, okay, that this was not some vision. Uh, nope. This was real. It also teaches us that the weakness of the saints, right? Let me ask you this. Have you ever wrestled all night with God? 
And by that I mean, have you ever prayed all night? You know, you needed an answer to your prayer, right? And, and you just you just kept praying and praying and praying, just like Jacob here. You see the sun come up just as day breaks. And I said, as I said, when when we were reading about Abraham, the prayers of the righteous man are powerful. Now listen to what I'm saying right here now. I, I'm, I'm about to say something powerful. So pay attention. When you pray, when you seriously pray without a doubt in your mind, you will see your prayers get answered. Look at Jacob here. Jacob, he needed God. He needed Him desperately. He felt like everything was lost. If God didn't step in, everything was gone. But you see, Jacob would not give up. He needed the help of God. And this touch that we read about here, this affected the way Jacob walked. Jacob was never the same after this. Verse 26. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. That's powerful. God says, it says, he said, let me go for the day breaketh. Now, I think he said this because, hey, he wanted to, he wanted to look like some man who, who wanted to get on his way, of, you know, get, go about his daily business. But the real reason was that this form that he was in might be more easily seen, you know, Jacob might be able to see through it, Right? less like a normal person but look at what Jacob says here Jacob says and he said I will not let thee go except thou bless me because of him touching Jacob's thigh and, and, and Jacob seeing what that did he knew that this was not a normal man he knew that this person must be divine so what's he do he insists on him blessing him he says bless me we see the faith in his prayers take hold of God here. And Jacob refuses to let go. He wanted this blessing. He pleads for it. And this shows us how strong faith is. How strong it really is. And we see the desired result of prayers of faith with God. Look at, take a look at, don't you take a look at something with me. Exodus chapter 32 verse 10. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make of thee a great nation. This right here is a prayer that was not going to stop until God answered it. Verse 27. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob and he said unto him what is thy name now I want you to stop right there because I, I hear you I hear you I, shh, I hear you you're saying preacher why is he asking Jacob his name 
if he was God, wouldn't he know? Now, I want you to know <laughs> this is not, I want you to know that this is not God asking this because he's ignorant of Jacob's name. No. He's taking this chance to change Jacob's name, right? He's granting a request to bless him. The verse says, and he said, Jacob. This was the name that he was given at birth, okay? The name that he was always known as. So he tells him right away. Notice he does not ask why he wants to know. Do you notice that? Keep that in mind. Verse 28. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with man, and hast prevailed. Okay, you see? Jacob's name is changed, right? We see no more Jacob, but Israel. Not only is this a name change, but I want you to look at the names. We're going to look at the meanings of them. Jacob is heel catcher or deceiver, right? It's changed to Israel. This one means God's fighter or he struggles with God. I want you to look at Genesis 35.10. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob, thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. Okay, look at this. I want you to look at this. It says, With God and with men. Isn't that as powerful, a powerful, you know, equalization of what Jacob had accomplished he, he emerges victorious from his struggle and, and when you look at the life of Jacob struggle is in it does indeed dominate his life we see in in, uh, verse, in chapters 25 26 and 27 with his brother Esau and then with his father in chapter 27 with his father-in-law in chapters 29 30 and 31 with his wives in chapter 30, with God at Penuel in verse 28 here. The verse says, For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. This is the reason his name is changed to Israel, which signifies him as a prince of God. Someone who, as a prince, prevails with God. It negates every other meaning of the name. As the one who is upright with God, the man who sees God, or any other meaning. Jacob had prevailed with God in prayer. Okay? And, and, and by the faith that he showed, he got his blessing. Just like how he prevailed against Esau, he prevailed against Laban, getting the better of them which is why some scholars render it as and shall prevail okay remember this was meant to fortify to fortify him against Esau because the, because of this he could conclude that since he had the the power with God 
and he he had obtained you know what he wanted he would surely be able to prevail against Esau that he would he would be able to stand against Esau and oppose him now I want to make sure that you understand something this might not be just prophetic here all right this could also be prophetic of his poster his posterity as well the one who who would prevail over his enemy the ones who would enjoy all good things by the favor of God because it could be rendered as thou hast behaved like a prince with God and with men or it could be over men thou shalt prevail now back to this man that Jacob's wrestling with can I prove that this man is the spirit of the Lord no of course not but I'm still 100% convinced <laughs> that it is because of what we read in the Bible you see only God can pronounce a blessing only God can change your name to suit the job that he called you for Jacob is no longer the trickster now he is the father of the 12 tribes of Israel his tenacity his hanging on to God in the face of all odds one in favor with God. You see, as a believer in the Lord, you are a spiritual Israel, God's fighter. We also will, will be princes and princesses when we reign with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? Verse 29. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is that wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. Now, this is understandable, okay? He had given him his name, the man changed his name. He asked him for his name. Look at Exodus chapter three, verse thirteen. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they say, shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? But you see, Jacob, he knew. He knew that this was God. Otherwise, why did he want him to bless him? He also knew because of the declaration that was made he said that he had power with God as a prince, right? So Jacob wanted a name. He wanted a name so that, that he could better remember what happened here. So God was pleased. God was pleased to call himself the God of Bethel. But you see, because he was not given a name, Jacob gave one to the place. A way of memorializing that he saw God there. The verse says, and he said, there, he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? Now this right here has two sides. He's reproofing him for asking, 
right? And he's denying his request. Basically saying there's no need for for that. It should be enough that that for Jacob to know that, you know, he got his blessing. And then we see next, right? We see and he blessed him there. Right there at that place. Now the Vulgate makes it clear that it was right there where they wrestled and he leaves. This was a farewell blessing. Also a confirmation that you know he got the blessing. Verse 30 now. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. We read, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. In the next verse, Peniel, the word meaning the face of God, or, or God hath looked upon me, or even has had respect to me. Later, there was a city built there. You should go watch it. There's a video called, oh, there's this channel called Expedition Bible, and you can go see the ruins there. It's beautiful. Anyway, this city was had the same name that we covered in Judges. Um, I guess we can go look at it. Judges 8.8. 8. And he went up thence to Penuel, and spake unto, the, unto them likewise. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Sakath had answered him. It's believed by many, 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 many scholars <laughs> that it's about four miles from Menhanaim because of, you know, what we read next. For I have seen God face to face. Now, of course, he did. He wrestled with him. So, so they would have been literally face to face. Remember, when wrestling with him, he would have been, you know, in intimate communion with him. The, the verse then says, and my life is preserved. Think about that. He wrestled with God. You could not find a more superior opponent anywhere. <laughs> and if God wanted, he, he could have crushed Jacob like a cockroach. He could have just stepped on him. Even, even though he had the sight of God, as he himself said, face to face, He's alive. Many, many good men instantly died at the sight of God. I mean, sure, we do not have any examples of that. But I'm sure that, that, that he saw this as encouragement. He met with God. He wrestled with God in the form of a man. He, he was still preserved. He, he now had no doubt that when he met his brother and when he debated with him, he would be safe. He would, be, he would not be hurt. Now, as I said... No one can look on God's face and live. I've told you this here on Sermons in the Park many, many times. This was an appearance of God. Let me repeat again. This was probably the Lord. God the Word. Or another form of His Spirit. The Word. The second of the Trinity. He is the doer of God. I said this a, a few a few moments ago, but let me repeat it again. The struggle was prayer. Jacob had prayed and prayed and prayed and reached God. Have you ever noticed how many times we see God change someone's name when he chose them for a certain job? He changed Abram to Abraham. The names always refer to the job. Abram the father became Abraham the which means the father of many. Okay? 
Verse 31. And he passed over Penuel. The sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. So, look at right there where it says, And he passed over Penuel. The sun rose upon him. When the man, or angel if you will, wanted to leave, it was the break of day. It was by, it was by that time that the parley between the two had stopped. They had parted ways. So the sun rose. And as Jacob, he, he went on his way, the, fun, the, the sun shone on him. This was a token that the goodwill, the favor of God was on him. It was also an emblem of the sun of righteousness arising on him, healing in his wings. Look at Malachi chapter 4 verse 2. Chapter 4, verse 2. I said 5. Eh. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as the calves of the stall. These verses say, And he halted upon his thigh. Now, it was out of joint, remember? So he no doubt felt that it, he, he, he had to have felt that while he was walking. I think that with him having that angel there, I don't think he felt it until, you know, he started walking. Now, as you know, I am from the south. And, and back in Louisiana, and we had a lot of old sayings, one that you would hear a lot. And yes, there are some of you that, that heard, probably heard this outside of there, and I do not doubt this one is one of them. But I would always hear the old timers, the old folk, say this. It's always darkest before the dawn. That stands out to me. Especially when I read this story here. Back a while ago on the, the podcast, right, we discussed Paul. And, and we talked about how God allowed Paul to have that thorn in the flesh. And he did that, you know, to keep Paul humble. Now... That limb that Jacob has here, that limp, reminds me, it reminds him of that encounter that he had with God. He would always realize that without God, there's no victory. Right? Alright. Verse 32 is the last verse of the chapter. It says, Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, unto this day because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the sinew that shrank. Now, I want to call your attention 
to this part right here. It says, eat not of the sinew hollow of the thigh. This this was where the man touched Jacob, okay? It, it weakened him. It, it uh, benumbed him. <laughs> or even the sinew part of the joint. Now, the sinew or the tendons, okay? The ones that, that kept the bone in the socket. This could very possibly be talking about the sciatic, the sciatic muscle or tendon. The now the up to this day is talking about the time of Moses. So we know that the people of Israel they did not eat this part of the hindquarter, and this is intriguing to me because you don't see that anywhere else in the Old Testament. It's also, interestingly enough, nowhere in the Mosaic Law. But, it is in the Talmud. It's listed as a sacred law. The whole point is not eating the sinew. It's a way of remembering this encounter between God and Jacob. So, I want to thank you all for joining me here. Um, I hope that you got something out of this. I hope that, you know, maybe you, you learned something new. This was a long one, an hour and 32 minutes. So, again, I want to thank you for joining me here. I pray the Lord continues to bless and keep each and every one of you. And I'll see you all here next week for an all-new Sermons in the Park. And if you haven't already, go over and subscribe and listen to the podcast. We just had that uh, interview with uh, the Archbishop, and I am planning some more, so... Thank you and God bless you. You have been listening to Sermons in the Park with Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Be sure to follow us on YouTube, BitChute, and Rumble. And as always, thank you for listening.